It's time for midday. It's 11.30 here at KRBN on a Wednesday, February 17th. Thanks for making the Rural Voice of Nebraska part of your day. A little bit warmer temperatures probably where you're at than the last couple of days. Right now we're seeing uh, 20s, almost mid-20s out in the panhandle. So that's a heat wave compared to what we have seen in the last 48 hours. We'll hear more about that coming up. At 11.45 with her own Paul Perkins. Of course, we'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports. Bob Brogan will tell us how stocks are performing as well. But first, let's send it over to Carney, where uh, Susan Littlefield is at the Cattlemen's Classic. And Susan, how are things going out there so far? I tell you, we've got a great crowd. And, and the cattle shows are all taking place today. And we've seen some amazing bulls and heifers coming through the show ring. And if you're looking for cattle to buy... There's some great animals that are going to be here that are going to sell Thursday and Friday. So mm-hmm. bulls tomorrow, heifers on Friday. So come out, check them out, and come see us, too. That's We're right. working here, and, and Beth's in the booth right now while I'm announcing the show. So come over and see her and, and sign up to win that four-wheeler. That's right. Very good. Well, what do you have for us coming up on midday? Well, Alex is going to take over the midday for us today. She's going to kick everything off at 1219 with Tom Brink. He's the CEO of the Red Angus Association of America. He talks about adding value to livestock through their approved certification program. And then she'll step back in here at 1245 with the High Plains Ag Lab near Sydney is celebrating its 50th anniversary. And then at 117, she will share about a vision for the next 50 years of the High Plains Ag Lab. So that's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. All right, very good. Well, enjoy the Kettleman's Classic. I will do so. Hope to see folks out here. Uh, that is Susan Littlefield from McCarney. You can stop by the booth and say hi. Let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen and sports. And uh, we're postseason basketball, state wrestling, first day happening in Omaha. And it's a busy day for you. It is. There's a lot going on as state wrestling taking place in Omaha. The schedule is different this year due to COVID. Instead of three days, they've stretched it out to four. So Class A will be going until two this afternoon. Then tonight, Class D will hit the mats. Mm -hmm. They'll have their championship matches starting tomorrow night at seven. And then on Friday and Saturday, they'll do the same things with Classes B and C. That is quite a bit of a change-up there. A little bit, but they're trying to keep people separated, not everybody there in the facility at the same time. You know, you do what you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is plenty of uh, postseason basketball. There was last night. A few of the other sub-districts will be played tonight. One of those is in Hastings B7, where Lexington takes on Hastings at 530. We'll have that game on Cami Country at 7 tonight. Holdridge against McCook. You can catch that game in the Holdridge area on KUVR. And the Nebraska men, well, they turn around again tonight and play Maryland. We'll see if things go better for the Huskers after they lost last night. They were right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't keep chunking layups. Right, right. Yeah. Especially when I have a chance to take the lead. Hey, that's Nebraska men's basketball is. for you. That is. is the epitome of it this year. <laughs> uh, let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. And uh, stocks, how are they performing? Stocks are down a little bit. They're giving back some of the uh, what they gained in trading on Wall Street, but they remain close to uh, record highs that uh, major index has set in recent days. Also, uh, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway's made some investments, and that's uh, made some interesting changes for a couple of companies. Uh, the end-of-the-year stimulus checks got Americans shopping again. They had some jingle in their pocket, and, um, of course, they went out and spent it on things. American industry expanded in January for the fourth straight month but has not returned to pre pandemic levels and those are the stories breaking news in the business world today all right thank you very much all of that and more coming up on midday on the last rural radio forum 
we can get in touch somewhere, I think, then uh, we will have, I think, done our job and and uh, hopefully get every, everybody everybody's needs met and get on uh, to the next issue. Through that whole process, getting over the hurdles with the pandemic and pivoting to online and, and seeing successful sales and seeing positive feedback on posts on social media, you know, will continue to help that, that growth and, and beyond, I think, whatever comes of the pandemic in the future. In many ways, agriculture really saved the day for America because we did plant a crop. We're going to have food to eat, fight all the all the problems. We got our crop planted and we got our crop harvested. Listen to the podcast at krvn.com. And this latest regional ag weather update is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your rinky dealer. Paul Perkins now stepping back in the studio and. Well, Paul, we're seeing positive numbers in terms of temperatures, which is nice. Yeah, nothing with the negative sign by it right now. Uh, unlike a few days ago when many locations barely even got above 10 below. And you consider Monday morning we had temperatures 30 to 35 below in many locations. Now we're looking at temperatures mm. in the mm. upper single digits to the low teens. That's like 40 degrees warmer than yesterday, uh, just a few days ago. And that you consider, what, 50 to 90 is right. 40 degrees difference. Uh, that, that's a big difference out there on those temperatures right now. We'll have a lot of friends and uh, family <laughs> out there working in it. And they're like, if it reaches double digits, we're taking off our shirts. We're, we're, we're cutting off sleeves. It's a heat wave out here compared to what it was because it was so brutally cold. And the panhandle might see 30s by the end of the day. Exactly. And and a lot of this, uh, looking at temperatures in the 30s for the weekend and then some 40s next week. So some positive uh, trends as far as these temperatures go. And the good thing about this time of year is that sun's a little bit more intense. Mm -hmm. uh, Where we did see some snow cover on Monday, even though it was uh, bitterly cold, below normal, uh, below zero on the temperatures, we did have that sunshine. And you could see that steam effect from all of the moisture just steaming up and melting from, from the sun being a little more intense this time of year so hopefully the snow is not going to last a whole long time either speaking of snow just real quick we we have seen some flurries here in the south central nebraska region in particular but it's not picking up on the radar what can you tell us about that you know just some scattered flurries across the area uh, radar unfortunately unable to pick up some uh, flurry activity but we still have a little bit of light snow into eastern areas in nebraska towards the columbus area and now just exiting out of omaha could see a few flurries throughout the day today but gradually we'll see a lot a little more sunshine mixing with the clouds so a mix of sun and clouds on the way for today sun and warmer temperatures everybody's craving that <laughs> it's sl- slowly returning to the area once again our temperatures pretty much in the upper single digits to the low teens right now something that we haven't seen in quite a while slowly we're seeing the back of this cold snap being broken as a series of pacific milder air systems push the colder arctic air of high pressure to the east with the mix of sun and clouds today, temperatures will be milder, but still about 25 to 30 degrees colder than normal. A weak low-pressure trough over the Dakotas tonight will bring in some clouds. Some light snow or flurries may get squeezed out of the clouds in western areas of Nebraska, maybe as far east as west-central Nebraska. Overnight lows tonight once again expected to dip down to around zero. And if those winds are there, feels like rainies could range from about 15 to 25 below, but not expecting anything as drastic.
point as the windchill warnings or problems that we were having earlier in the week. As high pressure builds onto the plains, temperatures will warm from 20 degrees below average for tomorrow to seasonal to slightly above average by early next week. There is a slight chance of some light snow for Saturday night with the quick passage of a low pressure trough. At most, accumulations will be around a trace and nothing like we've seen over the past couple of weekends. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures the early half of next week look to be seasonal to slightly warmer than normal. Seasonal temperatures do take hold by next week through the first couple of days of next month. And that milder air might not last long. Something to watch, some colder than normal air, is quickly approaching from the west towards the first of the month next month. It will be mostly dry with below normal precipitation Monday through March 2nd for Nebraska and Kansas. Weather factors driving market trade include bitter cold weather easing in the southern plains and consistent rain in primary crop areas of Brazil and Argentina. Southern plains wheat areas are seeing rain today and temperatures will trend warmer the rest of the week. Following this recent harsh cold, the focus will now turn back to concerns of drought. Western areas of the Southern Plains remain in drought and were largely bypassed by the winter wintry precipitation of the past couple of days. The eastern Midwest may see additional moderate to heavy snow late in the week. Otherwise, the Midwest and Northern Plains temperatures rising to above normal for next week. Across central and north Brazil, moderate to heavy rain will continue through the next week, bringing more disruption to the soybean harvest. Southern Brazil will be mainly dry or only have light rain, improving the harvest and double crop fieldwork conditions. The lack of rain, though, in southern Brazil, though, could be a concern for newly planted corn. Argentina's primary crop areas will have scattered rain the next seven days, with most of the rain in the southern areas. Drier weather in northern Argentina will maintain variable crop conditions. And Australia's latest wheat crop estimate places the total production estimate at a record volume of more than 33 million metric tons, all due to some favorable rains in Australia. So we just got to kind of make it through today, maybe even tomorrow, and then by the weekend we'll see uh, freezing. 32 degrees. Some thawing on the way. <laughs> Finally getting above freezing and a lot more sunshine. Uh, this system uh, moving through right now, still some persistent cloud cover, but gradually expecting some partly to mostly cloudy skies for today. Probably not going to be a totally sunny day. Better chances of sun for tomorrow. Well, we're seeing slow improvements. We'll take what we can get at this point. <laughs> All right, for more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. adding value to livestock through approved certification programs. In a recent webinar put on by UNL's Ag Economics Department, Tom Brink, he's the CEO of the Red Angus Association of America, discussed the idea of using certification programs to add value to operations. We see more information being provided on different groups of cattle as they enter the marketplace. It is, it is pretty varied in terms of that information that is coming with the cattle. I've got a lot of gray hair, as you can see, and I remember when really all we talked about when we bought cattle in, in my previous cattle feeding life, we bought an awful lot of cattle based on a weight, a projected shrink. We, of course, knew the location, so we calculated transport, you know, transport costs and maybe hide color, and that was honestly about it. And so that we lived on averages. It was a more of a commodity-type approach, and of course, those of you that have been around a while know that our industry has done that for many, many years and continues to do that to some degree. But it is changing because we are in this business understanding 
that more information, especially the right kind of information, and certainly information that can come along with the value-added program can really help us make a more informed buying decision. So if I'm a cattle feeder or if I'm a stocker operator and I'm looking to buy a set of feeder calves, I really want more information about what those animals are beyond just weight and height, color, and location. And Tom also provided a few tips for livestock producers to think about. Dr. Ken Odie from Kansas State University, he's just the recently retired a former department head of animal science at, at my alma mater, K-State, who said this. He said, the last 20 years have really been about animal health. In our feeder calf market, it's been about health, and rightly so. Health is always number one. But he said, he went on to add this. I thought very insightful. He said, the next 20 years will be about genetics. And so genetics are becoming more and more prominent. And so that leads us, I think, if you're a cow-calf operator, you might do a little self-review of your herd. And this is something when we talk to people and they say, well, I'm hearing value-added programs is something I need to look at. Maybe they don't even know where to start. They don't really even know what that means. Probably the first thing that you should do as a cow-calf producer is make an assessment of your herd. Make an assessment of your calf crop and think about what you have, what the resources you have in terms of what is unique, maybe what is notable and marketable about those calves, starting with potentially a very good health program. And some cattle sell, and when the description is written, whether they're selling through the auction market, a direct trade, on the video, whichever way they're selling, a detailed health program treatments and treatment dates specific to that can add value. If you have a good health program, whether you actually go through a third-party verified program or not, that information can definitely add to the value of those calves because, again, the buyers want to know. They want to know what those calves have been treated with coming in. So what is the base in your herd from a value standpoint that you can build on? What is unique and positive about your calf crop, and then think about different types of value-added programs that you might plug into. And that again is Tom Brink. He's the CEO of the Red Angus Association of America in the recent UNL Ag Economics webinar. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason has stepped back in the studio. and Well, it's been a busy day. We uh, have obviously stayed wrestling down in Omaha, but finally we have found out that the Nebraska baseball has a schedule. Yeah, they will play a 44-game schedule, conference only, as announced by the Big Ten today. All 44 games will count as conference games. Also, this is a point of contention for people. Uh, The Big Ten announced there will be no Big Ten tournament, which Omaha was slated to host in May. Also, no non-conference games, which has people all worked up. Huskers open the season with two weekends at neutral sites. They'll open up uh, Friday, March 5th, down in Texas at Round Rock with a series against Purdue. And then the following week, they head to Minneapolis, play a couple of games against Iowa and Ohio State at U.S. Bank Stadium. You know, it's interesting that they're not going to play any non-conference games or the tournament because it's not like they're not traveling around the country as it is. So if they're saying it's because of COVID... 
You're already traveling to different parts of the country, so what's what's kind of the difference? Preach on, Tyler. It's the same way with softball. They're sending True. everyone down to Florida for the first <laughs> month of the year. But, what do we know? Huh? Yeah, you know they wanted to play spring football in February too. Remember? And how would that have gone? Well, some are. Some the <laughs> yeah. smaller schools are. But what do we know? We're some yeah. lousy radio. That's guys. right. Cozad looked just down Highway 30 for its next head football coach, Jace Doolin. It spent the last nine years as a head coach at Elm Creek, accepted the position of the Haymakers. Under Doolin, the Buffaloes qualified for the NSAA state playoffs every year he was a coach, and he talks about this opportunity. It was not an easy decision, but when that opportunity opened up and they had an industrial tech position as well, um, I just kind of felt it was the right decision to pursue um, moving up in a bigger school and having that opportunity and um, having a knowing Kozad has the the history of success and uh, the opportunity to build a strong program. The McCook native and former Shadron State standout compiled a record of 69-25 and 25 at Elm Creek with several deep runs into the playoffs, including an appearance in the D1 State semifinals in 2014. He will be the high school career and technical education teacher at Kozad. And my Humble opinion, living in Elm Creek, and we've covered Cozad for years. Pretty good move, both parties. There. Yeah, Cozad will be in good shape. Uh, Elm Creek will certainly miss him, but another vacancy now open. Now we'll see what happens as the wheels continue to turn. We're just getting started with the whole coaching caravan. Husker women and men, both in action tonight. Women at Northwestern looking to stop a four-game losing skid. That one starts at 6. Men back in action tonight against Maryland at 6. We'll have that game for you here on 880. KRV. A little back-to-back, just like when Fred Hoiberg coached with the yeah, Bulls. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we'll see what the Huskers can do tonight. Nothing new for him, but again, we'll have it right here on the 880. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. This morning, Nebraska Public Power District updated media on its status on energy output. MPPD President and CEO Thomas Kent. From an MPPD status standpoint, we are currently generating about 2,640 megawatts, serving a firm load of about 1,800 megawatts. So that rest of that generation is is supporting the region right now. Uh, That mix mix of about 2,640 megawatts, it's a little over 30% nuclear, almost 59% coal, about 8% oil and gas, about 2.3% wind, and a little bit of hydro and solar today. And today, all of our plants are available and running to serve load for our footprint. MPPD was planning to move to emergency level three at 9 a.m. this morning and continue rolling blackouts again, but they were able to keep a balanced load and stay at a level two. Nebraska expects more than 60,000 doses of coronavirus vaccines to be available in the state this week. The State Department of Health and Human Services said it expects to receive 59,450 doses of the vaccines this week as officials continue to focus on vaccinating everyone 65 and older across Nebraska. It's not yet clear how many doses will be allocated this week to a new federal program that is distributing some virus shots through select pharmacies. Last week, that program received 5,700 doses of the vaccines. The director of Nebraska's prison systems has unveiled plans to convert the state's oldest prison into a minimum security facility, but he says the plan would only work if lawmakers agree to build a separate $230 million prison for higher-risk inmates. Nebraska Department of Correctional Services Director Scott Frakes says the proposal to overhaul the Nebraska State Penitentiary in Lincoln is part of a larger effort 
to ease overcrowding in the state prisons. Some lawmakers have questioned the cost. The penitentiary in Lincoln is the state's oldest prison, dating back to 1869 and is nearing the end of its useful life. 30 new cases of COVID-19 were reported by Two Rivers Public Health Department in the seven-county region it serves for Tuesday, February 16th. You can check the Two Rivers website for more detailed information for citizens on current COVID-19. And new confirmed cases for Tuesday include Buffalo County 12, Dawson County 11, Harlan County 1, Kearney County 1, Phelps County Citizens are reminded to follow the three C's, avoid crowded places, close contacts, and confined spaces. You can find more news at krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. The High Plains Ag Lab in Sydney, Nebraska is celebrating its 50th anniversary and today we're going to learn a little bit more with Leon Creasel. He's the owner of Certified Seed in Girdley, Nebraska, and he also has played an important role in the development of the High Plains Ag Lab. Leon, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. Glad to be here. So, Leon, before we came on air today, we were talking about the history of the High Plains Ag Lab, and it's certainly an interesting story. Tell us a little bit more about how it got started. Okay, back when the Sioux Army Ammunition Depot was being disbanded here in Cheyenne County, uh, there was interest expressed to have a uh, ag research station employed there. So uh, a group of farmers in kind of conjunction with the university and the uh, University of Nebraska at Scotts Bluff looked at it and made a request, and uh, I believe it's about three sections of ground and buildings uh, were given uh, to become the High Plains Ag Lab. And the group of farmers that started that uh, uh, pushed, and then we had, at the same time in that process, we developed a, an advisory council. And so that has changed over the years by who's on, who's not. Some retire. Uh, we try to always get new people to come on so that we have a very diversified uh, advisory council. And uh, the Ag Lab now does research in dryland cropping, uh, specialty crops, uh, cow-calf, beef, uh, and uh, even into forages, and just a little bit of irrigation. They have a linear irrigation system out there, so we get a little bit, little bit of everything. And uh, there's also a, a regional interstate um, nursery, wheat nursery out there that uh, Dr. Steve Benzinger uh, takes care of. So it, it's kind of important in that we have these new things, but from the very beginning, uh, Charlie Finster was instrumental in saying that we need to keep something of the old style so that we always have something to compare to. So there are plots out here at the High Plains Ag Lab that are in native sod. And uh, there are people, there's many studies been done there, and there are people from around the world who come to look at that because uh, it's very hard to find a place where you have native soils that have not been disturbed. So it, it, it gives us a, a kind of a feather in our cap that look at what we have here available. And so a lot of research gets done that way. That's incredible. And I was just reading, and I don't, I'm sure these numbers are up to date, they're now up to 2,400 acres of research ground, which is just incredible compared to what they started with. Um, you played an important role on surveying on the advisory board that you were talking about. Tell us about your role and some of the things you were able to do. 
Okay, when we uh, started out, my father was uh, on the advisory board, and then uh, I was on with him a little bit, and then we, uh, Dad retired and stuff, so I, I did more, was more active. And in that thing, we always try to do, we wanted good research on yield trials for wheat, which is our number one crop, uh, good yield research on prosal millet, which is probably our number two crop, and through the years, we have pushed for some no-till studies. We pushed for uh, cover crop studies and things that are pretty relevant, and they showed things that, uh, as in the cover crop studies, showed that in our geographic area right here, cover crops probably aren't the best. Uh, they just don't work it. But they gained a lot of information by doing that. In the cow-calf area or the even just feeders, it's good that they have, I believe it's a section and a half of grass pasture. It's not all native, but that is divided, cross-fenced, and they can do mineral supplement trials in there and uh, a lot of things that the person who does have livestock can look at and say, okay, this, this lick tub worked better than that one maybe, implants, and how long should I keep cattle on pasture till you know, what, what are the signs to move cattle? And so that worked pretty good. And uh, we just always kind of were trying to keep it going. At one time, the uh, irrigation project out there, they, their well was not the greatest. And so to help them get the water they needed to run their trials, we gave them, a, I don't know what you would call it for sure, but an easement maybe, or we let them use some of our paper water from our irrigation well, which is adjacent to the High Plains Ag Lab, so that they can keep their research going. So we've always tried to do little things that uh, help it to grow and continue. was instrumental in helping getting the new office building built out there, and that was a fundraising uh, program. And I think that's really helped uh, to do the building they were using was built in the 40s by the Department of Army. And... Uh, it was becoming way past its end of its life, and so it needed to be changed. And I think we had a good campaign, uh, raised the money they needed, and got that one done. We're visiting with Leon Creasel. He's played an important role in the High Plains Ag Lab that's celebrating its 50th anniversary. Leon, you've also served on some other boards. Tell me how that involvement has helped the development of the High Plains Ag Lab. Well, I think the one of the big ones is probably the Nebraska Crop Improvement Association, which is our business entity. They're kind of the ones that help us do our business. They're the certifying agency in the state of Nebraska. We belong. They inspect our crops. And with that, we try to always get the newer varieties in these test plots as soon as we can. And in uh, close cooperation with Steve Benzinger, we always try to get the new ones in. So there might be uh, just an experimental number that will be released in two years, and we can watch that. And we, we push for those types of things because we want that information available so people can make very good educated choices in what they're going to grow. Uh, you know, I'm, I may be now considered from more of the old school, and the new school is coming in, and they've got a lot of ideas and, you know, are bringing those forward. And uh, we, we, we look at it all. You know, we look at things that we think, yes, that is something that they maybe need to address out here. Well, Leon, that's a good place to end part one of our con. When we come back, we will be visiting about the future of the High Plains Ag Lab. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
with the Business Report for Wednesday. I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks are moving lower in midday trading on Wall Street as investors digest data that suggests the U.S. economy is in need of more stimulus. The benchmark S&P 500 index fell five-tenths of a percent, dragged down by technology and industrial companies. Verizon Communications and Chevron bucked the downward trend and moved higher after Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway said it made major new investments in those companies in the second half of 2020. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note held steady near its highest level in a year. Those end-of-year stimulus checks got Americans shopping again. The Commerce Department says retail sales soared a seasonally adjusted 5.3% in January from the month before as the $600 stimulus checks push people to buy furniture, clothing, and appliances. That's the biggest increase since June and much larger than the 1% rise Wall Street analysts had expected. Wholesale prices surged 1.3% in January, pushed higher by a big jump in energy costs. The Labor Department says the bigger-than-expected increase in its producer price index was the largest one-month gain on records that go back to 2009. It followed much milder inflation readings of three-tenths of a percent in December and one-tenth of a percent in November. American industry expanded in January for the fourth straight month, but has not returned to pre-pandemic levels. The Federal Reserve reports that U.S. industrial production, which includes output of factories, mines, and utilities, rose nine-tenths of a percent last month, on top of increases of 1.3% in December, nine-tenths of a percent in November, and 1.1% in October. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. We're continuing part two of our conversation with Leon Creasel. He is the owner of Certified Seed in Gurley, Nebraska, and he also played an important role in the development of the High Plains Ag Lab near Sydney. Leon, the first 50 years has come and gone. What do you see for the next 50 years at the High Plains Ag Lab? Well, I think it can continue as a research station. I think it's very well set in what it has available to it to do research. I think one thing that uh, the advisory group was always looked at, that we do not want this to get away from us. Uh, We want to make sure that this is something that the University of Nebraska looks at and sees in a positive light so that it will continue. Uh, Sometimes funding comes up and issues, but uh, I know at one time it was maybe making, a person might say, a lot of money, and some people say, well, we should spend that money other places. And uh, we always said, well, there's so many projects that we should do, and remember, it's a research station. It, research doesn't always make money. It costs money sometimes. And so we tried to do that. And I think it'll continue um, to grow in that aspect. There's uh, many foreign students who come and do studies out here, and uh, we hope that continues. There's all sorts of new crops that are being looked at, and I think those will continue. Uh, sometimes research seems like it's slow, but you got to do that research to know if it will work. Uh, a lot of times you can have a crop, we may be able to raise it, but we have to have a market for it. And so there's kind of two-pronged thing there. And there is the economic aspect that they do include in their research to look at that marketing. And so we kind of push that way, and I think that it, it'll continue with a lot of the new things. I think looking at the cover crops, looking at grazing, uh, especially not just grass grazing, but grazing in uh, crop stubble. And uh, how can we maybe grow a forage out there that you can graze without harvesting? 
in any form, just let the animals graze on it to see if that'll work for the people with beef. And uh, we can go forward in there. And I think that's going to help a lot because it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it doesn't seem like it's been 50 years since they started that. There's a lot of research that has come out of it. And like uh, in our certified seed business, we've been in the business uh, for 75 years. And I think a lot of that success has come from some of the things they've done there to show people what works in our reference would be good, clean seed to start with to fight weeds. And so there's things that I think a lot of people get touched by, and I think that that should always continue. Well, Leon, is there anything we missed that's important to mention that you'd like to add? Uh, I think just that uh, High Plains Ag Lab is always open for visitors. Uh, you know, it's uh, there's a staff that's there. There's not very many uh, sometimes, but there's always somebody there. A lot of the test plots, they have maps that are self-explanatory. And if you go to a test plot and you see a little of a mailbox, there's probably some information in there that you can read about that and uh, see what's going on in that particular experiment. And so I think that's it. People are encouraged to go look at it. It's, it's research. You know, we always, when we invite people or tell people about it, say, yeah, just don't go driving through everything, but, you know, there's maps so you can find out where what you want to see where it is take a look and uh and and really it, it works out very well in that aspect all right great information leon thanks so much for joining us today that again is leon creasel he's the owner of certified seed in Gurley, nebraska and he also played an important role in the development of the high plains ag lab which is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year broadcasting from the nebraska soybean board studio which is brought to you in part by nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff you're listening to the rural radio network play patent on the rural radio network let's talk to john payne senior marketing analyst with daniel zag marketing in chicago publisher of the newsletter this week in grain and john as i see corn come back around here at the close it kind of seems like that rally at the late here was somewhat coinciding with the fomc minutes do you think the fed something said something to spark movement back to the grains maybe it just feels like we've been uh you know the the rotation out of of, of the you know overall markets into you know Bitcoin and all that has happened since the grain markets kind of started going sideways. And that's really what what we're seeing here, just sideways trade. In the case of wheat, there's still some decent supply available in this country that's clearing. you got a carry market in that one. So, you know, I think if you're looking for a good good bet over price price direction over the next maybe two weeks, you're looking at buying corn, selling wheat. But I think in the longer run here, it still depends on spring weather. So you and I, I mean, we can talk every day about, you know, financials and those are those financials matter i think the, the currencies certainly are going to help keep prices somewhat elevated here but in my opinion the run that's going to come is going to come on supply and that hasn't even started yet so far in brazil I, the tea leaves i read is that there's really not a whole lot to worry about i know there's you know there's threats here and there but we haven't seen any numbers written down so um until that happens i think you know 550 is probably a pretty decent price i assume july i'll see it a few times and, um you know, the, the real move will come later in the in the spring and early summer when, when the threats arrive. Could there be any surprises tomorrow in the Ag Forum when it comes to acres or so long as, like, in corn we land that 93, 95 million were kind of status quo for now? Oh, I think you could definitely see some gyration off it. I You know, market's been somewhat quiet on volatility the last three, four weeks. So if an acreage surprise would happen, I wouldn't be shocked to see a sell-off. Um, or a rally, rather. I mean, if, it, if they come out and see 91 million acres of corn, we got a problem, you know, immediately. 
for December corn, it's going to have to work. And then the case of soybeans, you know, we're assuming 92 million. So I think if you look between corn and beans, 85, 185 million. If we go above that, there's probably some some selling. If we go below that, you know, by two or three million acres, then there could be some buying. I think the real opportunities are in the spring wheat markets that you're looking to see uh, see some folks rotate. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing at Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week at Grain. If you'd like to sign up for that newsletter, check out danielzagmarketing.com. Again, that's danielzagmarketing.com. That's where John will give you the opportunity to sign up for his daily newsletter this week in Grain. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. As we see and crossed, corn will end all contracts back in the green by the close this afternoon. Still seeing some selling on those front month beans, but November new crop actually comes out Dan nearly three-tenths of a percent higher. Thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on this Wednesday. If you missed anything, you can listen to our midday podcast sponsored by Duveni Motors. That's available at krvn.com.